Welcome to all of you. If you've never been to St. Luke's before, you're welcome wherever you find yourself on your spiritual pilgrimage. We're very glad that you're here. This happens to be All Saints Sunday, which is one of the four times a year when we celebrate baptism. And so uh, sanctity and the idea of saints has some connection to the sacrament of baptism. But on every All Saints Uh, I pose these questions that we want to ask ourselves on a regular basis because we forget. What does it mean to be a saint? How do you get to be a saint? Why should you want to be a saint? Why does the church make such a big deal about the saints? Uh, What saints are we commemorating on All Saints Day? And how can I understand the processes of sanctity in my own life? What do we mean when we speak of these things? In the early Christian church for the first thousand years, people became saints by local acclamation or by Episcopal decree. In an individual diocese, uh, the bishop might uh, recognize somebody. In, In local celebrations, it's people that we knew who happened to live lives of particular sanctity that we wish to remember. The original saints were all martyrs. They were all people who gave their life for their Christian belief. But as time went on, we realized that might not be the only category that we would use to describe to the community itself those who were particularly led particularly uh, exemplary lives in the sense of being an example for us. You know, if you read any of the lives of the saints, you'll discover that uh, they didn't appear, all of them, to be completely uh, holy all the time. Saint Jerome, the translator of the Bible into Latin, the Vulgate Bible, which is still the, the Bible of the Western Church. It's a good Bible, too, but most of us don't read Latin. Saint Jerome was, in two words, impossible. And yet he led a life of a certain species of sanctity and inspiration uh, to, to many people. In the Bible, the word saint means one who lived before the time of Christ, members of the new covenant in Jesus Christ, and a synonym for the Christian faithful. If you read Paul's letters, you'll discover that he often introduces them by addressing the saints in a particular community uh, that he founded, one of the Christian communities. And as the church developed, it took on a more technical meaning, one who was in heaven with the Lord, we'll talk about that in a minute, one who could intercede for the needs of the earthly church and respond to those needs, and one who merited public honor and cultic recognition by the church. So on one level, we celebrate on All Saints Day the classic saints that are in our prayer book and in the, the, the hagiography of the saints in Western Christianity. But most of the time on All Saints, the main focus of our attention are on the saints that you and I know personally and may not be known by everybody else people whose lives had a particular influence on us in a positive direction. You know, I'm not speaking about this in a specifically religious context. 
I'm speaking about human beings that you and I knew that assisted us in the process of our emotional, spiritual, and mental maturity and where we learn some things about life and where we learn some things about ourselves and maybe gave us a certain uh, serenity to be able to commend that place of safety and assurance to other people. That that's something that we wish to do. So how might we understand the importance of sanctity uh, in our own lives? One of the ways is through the sacramental character of the churches that are liturgical. That is to say, like the Episcopal Church, the Roman Catholic Church, the Lutheran Church, the Eastern Orthodox Church, who understand the importance of the sacraments. And in our tradition, the two sacraments that stand up, stand out, even though we have seven, are Holy Baptism and the Holy Eucharist, the Holy Communion, and how we understand uh, those as instrumental in the processes of sanctity. There's a lot of language in the baptismal liturgy about Satan and evil and sin, and uh, a lot of people might find that problematic. And uh, overemphasizing that is definitely problematic. But I just thought I'd say it occurred to me while I was doing the baptism. Satan is not a synonym for the devil. Satan means the advocate in the original languages. So what that means is that those processes that operate in the world and in our own internal emotional, spiritual, and mental states, the gang that uh, uh, lives rent-free in our head, can uh, bring to us uh, a certain uh, group of demons that we need to work on, right? But that kind of vocabulary isn't very popular these days. In 1995, a man named Andrew Del Banco, who is a sociologist at Columbia University, wrote a book called The Disappearance of Satan. And in the opening introduction, he said, I want everybody to know, because I'm going to talk about this in the book, that I'm a secular liberal. All right? But we have lost the ability to speak of these issues in public discourse in our culture today. And he uses the example of the movie, The Silence of the Lambs, where Jodie Foster comes to interview Hannibal Lecter. And she comes into the room. Remember, he's in a cage and he's got a mask on and he's there. And she looks at him and, of course, had seen his jacket and all the things that he'd done. And she said, what in the world happened to him? What caused him to do these things? And Hannibal Lecter hears her. And he said, nothing happened to me, officer so-and-so. I happened. You've got moral dignity pants on. You've got everybody thinking that past is prologue. You've got everybody thinking that somehow 
uh, past experiences cause future actions in some way. Can't you just accept and admit to me that I'm pure evil? And she had no answer. And neither do we. Except the Church of God believes that in the sacramental life, we now receive an outward and spiritual sign of an inward and spiritual grace. The means of understanding and making part of our own personal history the transformative work of God in our lives. So it's the starting place. It's one of the templates that we lay over our own spiritual life and development. In the epistle to the Hebrews, the writer says, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, the means by which we appropriate and understand how we become better human beings. And so occasions such as this are extremely important. Now here's another thing. A lot of Christianity for a number of centuries has been laboring to say that what we're all here to do, if we want to be saints, is we're going to work so that we go somewhere else ultimately and be with God. Right? So this is all part of the processes of this. Well, Jesus didn't teach that. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is near you. That you become transparencies and reflections of God's grace and love to the world. So in the original language, it means right next to you. In Greek, it says, the kingdom of God is right next to you. So what about heaven? We've been doing a lot of laboring to get to heaven, right? We want to go to heaven. Bishop N.T. Wright says, Heaven is God's space where full reality exists close by our ordinary earthly reality and interlocking with it. One day, heaven and earth will be joined together forever, and the true state of affairs, at present out of sight, will be unveiled. So you go to England and you come into the wilds of equatorial Sussex, and you get to some parish church where there are a whole lot of headstones from the 18th century in England, and they'll say, David Brewer, Gone, but will return. A hundred years later, it's David Brewer, gone home. But that's not what the Bible tells us. So when we think about sanctity, we should understand that somehow that's part of how we think about it here. So how would you know if you're making any spiritual progress of any kind? Well, when we get baptized, one of the things the church says is each one of us receives the fruits of the Spirit. We also receive three theological virtues, faith, hope, and love. And the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control. We find those things easier to express. And as Houston Smith said many years ago on Bill Moyer's show about the great faith traditions, Houston Smith said, 
one of the infallible signs that you may be making some progress is that you are noticing in yourself the ability to, ha to increase your generosity. That we find the generous impulse uh, a little easier to express. Maybe that may mean for some suffering fools a little more gladly. Who knows? But that that's part of it. In the Eastern Orthodox tradition, which seems kind of exotic to Western people, they say that all of us are engaged in the process of deification. The Greek word is theosis. And it means that as we do this, we become less unlike God. Father Thomas Keating, the great Trappist, uh, founder of contemplative spirituality, says, we are not God, but our true self is God. And so what happens is, is that we are now more able to share in God's holiness and eternity. That may be one of the goals of the spiritual life. So as we continue, give thanks for all the saints in your life uh, that have had an influence on you. Give thanks for the future saints that are going to come. Give thanks for the saints that have just been part of the, the community of faith we call the church today. And give thanks for the possibility that uh, you can experience the transformation and the new life that's promised. Amen.